culturally inappropriate celebrations of other nationalities' holidays. It's St. Patrick's Day this week on Nothing Good. Another quality intro by the one Mac. Ah, <laughs> uh, just I just have to dig in to the sometimes to the, to you the gotta Noah. dig deep. I gotta dig yeah. deep to how, how do you, you do channel real deep? Oof, man. You, you channeled over pretty good when you dropped the. Nah! It's like it's, I feel it. I I feel like I've been around Noah enough that if I had to if I had to like do a weekend at Bernie's type situation where I had to be Noah, I could probably you could channel I could that energy. Do it. Yeah. I mean, I got the long hair now, right? It's true. You know, it's very so. True. You know, I can uh, trim up the beard a little bit, you know, get the Noah, get the Noah goatee going a little bit there and, you know, just start rubbing people's nipples just um, unexpectedly or just my own. Maybe both. You should probably do both. Just do both. I was going to say stick to yourself. Keep your hands to yourself, but I guess it's too late for that. I mean, it's weird at the coffee shop, but, you know, eventually they they understand. They'll they'll get the memo. They all come around eventually. They all come around eventually. So today, well, first and foremost, how are you guys doing? pretty good st patty's day man like this is this is the week for it uh pittsburgh's week-long celebration of of pretending to be irish uh started uh as of this recording uh started yesterday uh this will be released in in, on in a couple of days here but of course the actual st patrick's day isn't going to be until friday so but pittsburgh being one of the largest st patrick's day parades in like the world right i did not know that yeah that's <clears throat> how about this interesting so jeff and i are at the hockey game yesterday and they they did like the the big show and they play the big show's entrance music when they do this okay um i don't think he's getting a kickback on this in any no, shape probably not. um but they like what was the first year that like pittsburgh had the saint patrick's day parade and it was 1959 1932 and i think the other one was like 1867 yeah 1867 which was the correct answer which was the correct answer okay okay i didn't think pittsburgh has been i mean i know pittsburgh's been around for like 250 years but it doesn't feel like pittsburgh's been around for like that i don't know that just seems like unbelievably far back to me because it is (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it was a long ass time i didn't think like people knew parades in like 1867 what? They didn't say 1467, man. <laughs> I didn't think they would have parades back then. What is just, this thing you call it a that, parade? I mean, that was a long time ago. It wasn't I mean, that like, long ago. I mean, what could a parade be in 1867? A fucking march? I mean, yes, yeah, with horses. Horses. And carriages. That's buggies. it. They yeah, could but still have people floats. Marching. But they're not drinking beers. Well, they might have been drinking I feel beers. like they were probably drinking booze. They were. Sure. It, it, it was naturally green then, I think. No. Could you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine? It's, it's 18, So it's 1867, right? And it's a St. Patrick's Day parade. And everybody's getting ready for it the same way they do today. Like, they're all putting on their green. They're getting really stupid little green hats and, like, little light-up glasses and beads and shit. Face paint. The whole They're, whole they're putting little shamrocks and stuff on their cheeks. And, you know, just then... Then, meanwhile, you know, um, Beatrice is walking down the street in her bustle. And, <laughs> you know, she's got her umbrella up. Because it's still March. It's probably snowing. Can I ask a serious question? What's a bustle? 
Um, I think so. I'm gonna go. You dropped. He it. just not made sure it up. It he just <laughs> made it up. It sounded no, good because I'm. Well, it, I was it, buying it until it, he called it out. No, so I I think the the bustle is. I think. <clears throat> no, because I'm thinking back. Like, see, so the only time that I've heard bustle really used in a sentence is in the movie Tombstone. Okay. When um that checks out. It's the scene when like Doc Holliday is like taking all these people's money playing poker, and they're about to like leave the town. And, like, she's sitting on his lap, and he's like, well, I was wondering why you weren't wearing your bustle. And, um, because I guess they were, like, going to, like, hop on their horses and, like, get out of town real fast. That was Dave's Jones, sexy voice. Jones is pulling it you I've my, got to know. That was my Val Kilmer at that point. <laughs> but I think a bustle is, like, uh, almost a, like a, a, girdle? a girdle kind of a thing. Yeah. That's your... You could have just said that. <laughs> that sounded better. You could have just it. said that. First off, this entire podcast is, is when I'm talking is most of the time me building, leading into what I'm about to say. So if I just went ahead and said it. This podcast would be six minutes long. Yeah, right. According yeah. to the Google machine, uh, a bustle, which is spelled B-U-S-T-L-E, bustle, is a bustle is a padded undergarment used to add fullness or support the drapery at the back of women's dresses in the mid to late nineteenth century. Oh, it's like the butt bump. On yeah, the, that's a hundred percent that yeah. weird ass yeah. look that for some reason human beings thought was attractive. Yeah, and it wasn't. It's strange. Well, I mean, baby got back is based off that same premise. It's just that naturally occurring. Yeah, I I deal with more na- na- natural means, not the yeah. the weird frame, the wire frame. <laughs> I don't think yeah. anybody you had... You don't have to wear a contraption to have it come out have, like that. To have a badonk, yeah. it ain't there, worth it. There weren't badonks in 1867. I think that's kind of where we're getting at bad here. Buds. Yeah. So, um, they're under britches, basically. Yes. Which is a yeah. term I use all the time. Stephanie hates that I call it's, them under It's grossly underused. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Wow. But so, speaking of under britches, so we started out talking about national holidays so i want to use this as a segue to throw some shout outs to some listeners oh, because yes. we oh. haven't done this in a while uh we've been getting some pretty good feedback uh in terms of the numbers and the listens and downloads uh over the past few weeks but we do have some new international listeners over the past no. three weeks do we, do uh, we really uk is on the map hey oh. australia is on the map all right good day denmark is on the map oh and india New this week on the no. map. Well, yeah. hello, India. Guys. So welcome to all, all of our new international listeners. We're going worldwide, baby. India. <laughs> India. That's a billion people. That's like a one and a yeah, half billion We got people. one out of a billion. I was like, and one person listened. <laughs> what, is, what is the percentage? Shout out of, to that guy. The percentage of India that is listening to our show. Let me kind of do some quick math here. One divided by one. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I gotta maybe flip this over here, get more zeros. Oh yep. This is exciting listening content. All right. While Dave's <clears throat> using a calculator. Well, I had it like vertical and it ran out of space for zeros, so I had to kind of go horizontal so I could put in some more zeros. Um, the percentage of India that is listening to the Nothing Good podcast is 0. 0.0000000. 625 percent hey that good is to have you. that's Woo. more than zero it is more than zero one of the one of these days when we, i flipped the calculator back over just said e10 
<laughs> it's like, stop. <laughs> this hurts. You officially broke it. It's like that little robot in like Rick and Morty that's job is only to pass the butter. And he's like, what is my purpose to pass the butter? And just goes, oh my God. <laughs> like he just realizes his existence is for nothing. That's what my calculator did when I flipped it back over. Just went, oh my God. Uh, India. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So all new listeners over the past few weeks. So thank you for joining us. And we hope we don't lose you like Peru. We don't miss you, Peru. I mean, and we would do a little bit. I just, I just want to know where Peru went. Like, is that, I don't know. Like, they were in and out. You know, Back to Peru. I don't know. What if, what if <laughs> Peru is in India right now? Like, what if they're like, like what if they're gallivanting across the globe? Gallivanting, Jones. I can dig it. Yeah. Like, yeah. what if, like, what if their like whole purpose is doing English as a second language or something? We're just gonna give this person an entire backstory, yeah, yeah. and they're they're learning their English language by yeah. listening to our show. Oh, exactly. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that is bustle. not good life advice. Bushy assholes and bustles and, and chemical castration, bunch of tufts and things. Oh man, it's good times. This is this is the this is the groundbreaking content we bring <laughs> to the internet with the nothing good pod here every week every week every except day, when we're not except for when we're just not around for like three <laughs> straight months yeah you mysteriously know, props, props to people for sticking with us we do during, appreciate during the hiatus yeah, you know we, sure. we really do appreciate it um we were um at a bachelor party uh last week and jones noticeably absent from the bachelor party this time around we missed yeah. you nah. um but uh you know one of our mutual friends zach whitfield spent a solid 20 25 minutes talking to the whole Just bachelor hyping party the shit hyping out of our the show. shit out of the show so zach and really zach did yeah oh thanks zach he he said he loves it he's like, I, I knew he mentioned he'd listen to it but i hadn't, I hadn't talked to him about it in a long time so i'm glad they still thanks man we appreciate yeah, you yeah so you know showing a little a uh, little shout out there to zach whitfield thanks and his for, other uh, brother listens as well tyler he listens tyler as well. listens to tyler's listened to every episode of the show so far as well so i mean we have at least one third of the whitfields <laughs> we got two solid whitfields listening <laughs> at least out of like 17 of them yeah <laughs> well good that makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was pretty nice hearing somebody else talk about our podcast and not just us. Yeah, yeah. we didn't say anything. Yeah, we're like, oh yeah, back. yeah, that's us. Oh yeah. Well, the reason we're here, uh, enough about uh, haberdasheries and bustles and parties and parades. Nobody said a haberdashery. I just did. I... Do you know what a haberdashery Added to is? Nothing good. I do know what a haberdashery good. is. You didn't know what a bustle was. <laughs> well, I, I had an idea what a bustle was. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was the same thing with chemical castration when that came oh up. Oh my I god! Dropped that term and you're Yo, like, "What is that?" And I was that like, is a fucking. Um, that I is think a, I know an what it image is. in my head that was incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> just making not your, pleasant. Just making your only your penis the Joker was what went through your mind. Something to that just, effect. Just only that went into that. <laughs> your penis has a else. fucking villain arc. That's basically <laughs> what. <laughs> That, it's a dark backstory. That is, you know, if there's any part of my body that would have a villain on it, if it was my penis, I would be pretty happy about that. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be mad about oh, no. that. It's like I'm sitting about my day and my penis is like the, it's trying to take over the world while, while I'm answering emails at work. Just plotting and scheming. Just plotting and scheming. Just plotting and scheming for something, all right. <laughs> uh, so we are here to talk about, and that's actually pretty spot on with that joke uh, because it fits very well in this movie. Uh, we're talking about Beetlejuice. Um, Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice. Yeah. Where is he? He's getting drunk somewhere. Just waiting for somebody to start walking down the street, pushing like a shopping cart. Just kind of <laughs> had the hair. <laughs> so, 1988, 
Uh, actually, we're like what's it, like thirty five years. Yeah, uh, this month. This month. This month. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Crazy when you totally think about it. Totally by accident when I chose Beetlejuice, <laughs> but I was good, glad that I did. Uh, this movie is one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, it's in like the I'd say like a top twenty list of movies. Um, and right off the bat, where do you guys remember? Like, did you? I feel like you guys probably didn't see it in the theater. Most likely, no. Too no. young for that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so it was probably like a VHS rental or something like that. When do you remember seeing it the first time? Uh, for me, I think for, as in most things from the 80s, you know, my age when I was finally exposed to them was probably on HBO. I mean, I feel like that it has to have been HBO. Um, and I just remember how completely weird the movie was to me because this movie is Tim Burton with the with his foot pressed, you know, the, the pedal to the floor tim burton in this movie yeah and um you know there's so many weird visuals in this movie and 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 truth be told probably at the age that i saw this was probably six or seven when i probably first watched it i didn't really understand half the shit that was oh yeah it's it's all over your head completely over my head but i reckoned but the visuals it was visually something that was unlike anything i'd ever seen totally weird um and something that really stuck with me the the visuals of that movie and you know kind of going back and i'm not going to say that i haven't watched this movie recently but probably me watching this movie was more of a oh i'm catching it 20 minutes in i'll watch it for 25 30 minutes before i have to go do this next thing yeah it's one of those things where if if you're flipping through the channels and it just happens to be on like you'll just put it on doesn't really matter where it is because you know it but this was my first time, probably in a long time, sitting down and watching the whole thing from start to finish. And something I'll probably talk about a little bit later on here is that it was a very interesting perspective because of how I also was able to um, take in Beetlejuice recently, which was the Broadway musical. Um, you know, we went last month to yep. go see it when it was performing here in Pittsburgh. And holy shit, um, was it good. It was way That's better. That's what I've heard. Way, way better than it probably needed to be. Um, but it also interestingly added to the story, which we'll kind of get into. I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole now. But Jeff, go ahead. What was your first uh, yeah, exposure I don't, to it? I don't recall the first time I saw it. I remember seeing it as a kid, and I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight, if I had to guess. Probably either on VHS rental from Blockbuster or Family Video. Uh or it was on TV, like the made-for-TV version. Um, and it was one of those things, like, as a kid, you're like, yeah, this is kind of funny. And then, you know, a few years later, the cartoon comes out, and you watch that, and you're like, yeah, this is pretty funny. Uh, and then it, it's one of those things you l- learn to appreciate it more as you get older. Yes. And, uh, you know, it. there's things that were certainly way over our head when we watched it as kids. Uh, and, you know, I've introduced Beetlejuice to my kids, and they both fucking love the movie, so uh, just like I do. So... Uh, it, it's it's one of those things. There's not a lot of films that we review on this show that I've seen a ridiculous number of times, but this is one of those. Yes. I would say that uh, I've the luxury of... I kind of have a pretty good idea of the first time I saw it. It was definitely not in the theater, obviously. 1980, I was far too young. My parents were not going to take me to see something like that. That's something they would go see themselves, which they may have actually done. I don't know. But... Uh, <clears throat> I was very fortunate that my father subscribed to the rent and then dub and return the next day. Uh, Classic. So still in my parents' it's house, pro move. in the living room, there's like a VHS like rack of all sorts of just, uh, oh goodness, like uh, Kodak and uh, I 
can't remember the name of all the different companies. Like just with like I, three or four J, movies J, on them. JVC, JVC, one of them, right? Yeah, Magnavox, all that, <clears throat> just all sorts of movies, uh, you know, dubbed. It, it's funny when you say that. I see the boxes mm-hmm. in my yes, mind. Yes, they're like, stacked. They're silver. <clears throat> multicolors. Yeah. Yeah. Multicolored. Like the JVC was like purple and mm-hmm. like green. And it just, I, like I can see all of that. Yeah. Oh, yes. Crazy. Uh, and uh, Beetlejuice was one of the movies, I don't know exactly what year they rented it. It had to have been like within a, a year or two because Beetlejuice was a big part of me growing up. So much, in fact, and I feel like Mac has seen it. Jeff, I, I feel confident you've never seen it before. I have a, a movie-sized, uh, like, movie poster-sized puzzle uh, that I've had since I was, like, your youngest daughter's age of, like, of the movie poster, and it's glued to a piece of cardboard hanging on a wall. And it's been in my, it was in my room ever since I was a little kid. Yeah. It was like, it's awesome. Beetlejuice is like, Beetlejuice is amazing to me. And I would watch that movie, it was one of those, like, in rotation, once a week I'd watch it. Because it's like, it was just, I didn't get half the jokes, but it didn't matter. Because I thought, at the time, I thought Michael Keaton was, like, the coolest dude. Because yeah. he was Batman. Yeah. You know. But this was pre-Batman. It was. And this is, well, I mean, I'm saying but after to Batman. You, yeah. To right. you, you knew him as Batman. Yes. Yes. Uh, which was the first movie I ever saw in the theater, was Batman. Uh, I think. Maybe it might have been Ninja Turtles. Whichever one came first, I saw in the theaters. Either way. Uh, Beetlejuice is, in, for my money, uh, one of the most creative movies I've ever seen. Uh, it would not be made today. Because uh, I'm sitting there watching the beginning, and I, and, I, and I feel like you guys, we've talked about this, uh, how unoriginal movies are these days. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching it, and I hadn't watched the movie in years and years and years, like, you know, like theatrical version, beginning to end in a long time. Usually I catch it like most people yep. on TV. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching it, and I'm looking at the credits. And I get to, you know, screenplay, story written by, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, huh, you know what's interestingly missing? Not based on. It's just not there. Yeah. Because it's not based on anything. It's based on a a number of human beings' idea, their creativity, and they just poured it into a script. Versus everything now, which is based on a graphic novel, based on a comic book, based on a young adult's novel, based on something like that. Everything's based on something. Except for Cocaine Bear. That was based on actual events. God damn it. Sorry, man. So, you know what? Creativity is dead. I think creativity is is, is afraid. Now, you know what creativity is going to not be dead? Um, when chat GBT... Is that what it is? Chat GBT? Is that what it's called? I don't know. Okay, so there's an AI writing program that oh, just yeah, yeah. was released like three yeah. months ago. And they found that you can basically put a topic into it and it'll write like a high school essay for you. This thing has kind of grown to the point that South Okay, yes, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. South Park just covered this and like their la- their episode uh this past Wednesday. I just remember watching all the kids, they're like, you know, this kid wrote an article about, you know, popsicles and this kid wrote an article like wrote their essay on, you know, uh ducks and then like Cartman's paper is on the uh 18th century uh 7th or 19th century rise of the industrial revolution and mm. the um, you know, organization of labor unions. I'm like, what a great paper, Cartman. And all the kids are like looking at him because three other kids were doing this too and they were using chat like GBT to like write their papers for them. Like this whole episode was. But when they start using, because this is what they kind of mentioned and I saw this on another, I think it was maybe um, John Oliver was covering this too about artificial intelligence that they're like, you know, there's certain things that like this program could probably end up replacing screenwriters was like one of the things they talked about 
Um, that's when you see original content because not that they're going to trust people to do it. They're going to trust computers to come up with original content. But will it be really original? It can't be because it's basing itself it's on... It's based on something else something that already else exists. Kind of I'm, like the art AI, right? Yeah, yeah sure. there's a whole you know, conversation that's happening online today about you know how art AI specifically is putting artists out of work. Yeah, I mean, the stuff mm-hmm. that these programs could do is amazing. Yeah. But they are, but these artists are now suing the manufacturers of the program because they're using their images. Yep. They're using everybody's images. Yeah. yeah. To be able to kind of yeah. do that so much so that like Getty images was getting involved with it because like one of the, uh, like the AI pictures actually had the fake Getty images thing on the photo that Can't they're be doing using. That. Can't so, be doing that. But, um, that's when original content will come back when they don't trust yeah. people to be original. They trust computers. Well, back in the 80s, they trusted people. I mean, look at all the really cool creative films that came out in the 80s and the 70s and even early 90s. Like, Hollywood was not afraid to just, oh, this script is pretty yeah, fun. Let's a try chance, it, yeah. you know? Well, you didn't, have, you didn't have to the extent the adaptations that you do now. You know, almost half of what we watch is an adaptation. That's what I mean, novel, yeah. Right? Um, and you don't have the, um, you know, at that point in time, you had... Um, franchises weren't really a thing nope you know i blame harry potter for that fuck i blame i blame tim burton for that yeah you said full circle (laughs) shit (laughs) fucking batman that's real meta yeah because that's the first i mean well superman existed before and superman was a really good movie yeah true like the the first two anyway when was the last one that came out what year the last actual superman was it like superman five was it five uh, I think Superman 4 was the last one. Was it 4? I, I thought that was the fifth one. Maybe that it wasn't one, a fifth I don't one. know. I mean, I think... Um, I was a big fan of those when I was a kid. <clears throat> yeah. What was your favorite one? Mine's Superman. That you could, if you could remember it. Oh, from, from, like the, from like the Dick Donner Superman movies yeah. and everything? Yeah, Superman 2. Yeah, it's definitely Hold Superman on, I got a serious two. fucking question. If you have the temerities to say Dick Donner... <laughs> I knew that's where you were going to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> And you motherfuckers judge me for saying Mike Bay, but Herb, that's not his name. That's his fucking name. <laughs> People call him, though, Dick Donner. Yeah, you know who doesn't? Mike Bay? Me. And almost every interview I've ever seen, almost anything I've ever seen written about him, it's Richard, Richard Donner. Richard. I have never once until just now heard any... I had to stop for a split second and go, what the fuck is he talking about? Oh, Richard Donner. Yeah. You gotta listen to a few more Kevin Smith podcasts. He pretty much exclusively calls him Dick Donner. Dick but he's Donner. allowed to because he's Kevin Smith, huh? I mean, he probably knows him. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> like what? what? <laughs> Your logic is flawed. Sir. What? So I just want to point out the hypocrisy there. Anyhow, half uh, of my life is based off of hypocrisy. You think that's gonna like change? You think that's change? That's part of being an American citizen, sir. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's real fucking real talk there. Uh, Neil before Zod, but, man. But Neil bringing it back, uh, talking about the originality of this. So, uh, and when you watch it, you know, as we know it today, it has Tim Burton's fingerprints all over it. Oh my yeah. god! When it came out, there was no such thing as Tim Burton fingerprints. Like he had made Pee Wee's Big Adventure, mm-hmm. and this was his second film, and then Batman came after this. So what a f- he, what a fucking like trajectory. Yeah, right. To go from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Which, I'm not going to say that that wasn't like a low-step movie, but I mean, it was kind of a lower entry-level kind of movie, right? Uh, that was also in the, the Jones household child ro- uh, rotation. Right. Big time. Um, everybody loved that movie if you watched that movie. 
Um, but then you probably would say that Beetlejuice is a pretty big step up from there. And then they go from that to Batman. I feel, I don't know, I feel like it was maybe a slight step up from Pee-wee. Because Pee-wee was an established character, an established IP. Ba- uh, Beetlejuice was nothing. Right. right. So Yeah, I mean, and I think Warner Brothers, like, okay, we saw what Tim Burton was able to do with, with Pee-wee Herman. And let's see what he can do with this. So he was presented with the script. The original script was far darker than the movie is that we have. So he added sort of that comedic light to it uh he didn't know who michael keaton was so he, that was not the first choice for beetlejuice sammy davis sammy jr, davis jr. Which is real. and the that studio the studio's like no we want you to use this michael keaton guy and then obviously we see the relationship that builds between beetlejuice and batman and you know what you just described there jeff is the completely opposite way that anything is done in hollywood today it's like you you see because what you just said we saw what Tim Burton did with Pee Wee. Like, if you did that today, everybody would say the director had nothing to do with that movie. It was, you know, Paul Rubens who had everything to do with the success of that movie because it was an established entity that people would, were willing to go see. The director would get almost no credit for that, right? Right. And, and you're saying that in the 80s, completely opposite of that. Which is mind-blowing. Different times. That in 35 years, it changed so heavily, right? Significantly, yes. Yeah. So the movie was made for $15 million. <clears throat> uh, One million of that budget was just for the effects. <laughs> Which is wild, too. Uh, and he and if you look at the effects, because they're not you know spectacular, but they were... Oh, no, they're they campy were, as they well. were, Yeah, they're super campy, they're <clears> cheesy, <throat> uh, but they're all practical. And that was the look that Tim Burton wanted to go for. And that's, you know, the look that they nailed it. he yeah. became famous for uh, in his career. Uh, brought along a relatively unknown composer named Danny Elfman. Man, oh, listen, God. Tim Burton has been giving that fucker work for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the two go hand in hand. And like, if Beetlejuice is on in the other room, like as soon as I hear the music, I'm like, oh, it's Beetlejuice so, like, is on. Yeah. Well, what other movie did we cover back in the archives that had a Danny Elfman score to it? There had to have been one, considering. We, we, I know we talked about one of them because we talked about Danny Elfman's score and we said that you can pretty much take oh, Beetlejuice, like, the, like Batman Returns, and like a third movie, and like you could interchange the score and it would probably work for all of them. Maybe it was Edward Scissorhands. We didn't talk. I don't know, but that came up in the conversation. Yeah. But like Danny Elfman's dick slaps you so hard in the face when the opening credits roll. <laughs> like if you didn't realize Danny Elfman's dick was in the room three minutes before you walked in, you did as soon as the credits rolled because <laughs> it is just so much Danny Elfman. So over. Man, that guy puts the horn section to use like no one's business. It has energy. It has its own personality. It's whimsical, but it's got an air of like, not menace, but it's, yeah, I'd say menace. That's a great adjective to yeah. use when describing a Danny Elfman score as whimsical. It, it, always, it yeah, really, it's really whimsical. is. And 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 nobody comes close. You know, in a world of imitations and everything, nobody can write that. No. Which is crazy to me. That's why know? he's the only one who does it the way he does it. It's yeah. true. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wrote in my notes, like, how iconic is the soundtrack? It's so iconic to the point where, like, it is utilized in every aspect of Beetlejuice. The cartoon, the video games, everything has that vibe, the, the sound. When Michael Keaton walks into a room at, the, at a party, it arbitrarily has to play. 
Or yeah. <laughs> actually, it's his favorite. One of his favorite movies of all time he's ever done. Yeah, I think it's. I, some of the things I've read, he's even said it is his. It is his favorite movie that he's. Which is he's pretty ever wild, done. considering he's done a lot of films. Yeah, he has that are better than this. But. Um, but yeah, the 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 score also has been registered with the American Film Institute as being one of the hundred greatest scores, uh, in cinema history as of two thousand. The last that's pretty interesting. The list. Yeah, I would not have assumed that, or but that's pretty cool. Well, this movie, uh, let's get to the meat and potatoes, is about a married couple, young, uh, good-looking married couple. Let me just, okay, so I forget sometimes that Alec Baldwin was a handsome that man. That that was Alec point. Baldwin, yeah. Like, he was a good-looking dude That's in the 80s. That's a 29-year-old Alec Baldwin when they made that That's movie. That's wild to me. 29. And, like, looking like I know it's him, but it doesn't look like him. Yeah. He has changed. He looks a lot different these days. Like, Hollywood lifestyle will change you. And weight. Lots of weight. Yeah, in this movie, he kind of looks like the guy who is working like in the application development team at your office. I see, guy. But he's not. But he's not like oh, programming shit. things. He's like project managing. I can see for the, that for the programming team, kind of a thing. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, so it was Adam uh, Maitland and his wife Barbara Maitland, a young, uh, a young Davis. Gina Davis, played by Gina Davis, Herb Jones, who I'm a big fan of. You you are a big fan of uh, of Gina Davis. Yeah, how can you not be? She's a good actress. She's a fantastic. You know actress. who doesn't like Gina Davis? I do know who doesn't like Gina Who's, Davis. Uh, Ireland not here. He's probably to not shit talk her. <laughs> <laughs> Noah's got a lot of feelings about Cutthroat Island. Well, so. listen, that movie's fucking awful. <laughs> it was not just, good. It was just on the other day. It's Waterworld bad. So, <laughs> Jones, this is a reference that I know you'll probably enjoy. And, you know, Jeff, you may or may not feel like editing this part of the podcast out after I kind of go through it. But I was asleep, like, on the couch last week. I've been battling a cold. I was out of the office for a few days. And I think I woke up in, like, a fever-induced haze at, like, 4.30 in the morning. And my TV was on. And it was Cutthroat Island. Oh, no. Oh, yes. And I was so not sure what I was watching. I thought somehow the porn version of Pirates made its way to network television because I thought that's what it was. And it took me a second to realize it was Gina Davis. I forgot the movie existed until about three and a half minutes ago. Pirates or, or Cutthroat Island? Cutthroat Island. Okay. Cutthroat Island. <laughs> not, not Pirates. No, not Pirates. No. Um, but I, I wasn't sure. And I was like, Fuck. Like, did they, did they, is this, am I watching Cinemax? No, this is like. Am movie. I watching Skinemax right now? <laughs> Which isn't even Skinemax anymore. They took all that shit off, man. Really? Yes. None of it's on anymore. I haven't had Cinemax in a long time. No, none of it's even on Same. anymore. Well, what, why even have it then? Because <laughs> <clears throat> it's a part of a package. So you can money. watch Cutthroat Island? Duh. Oh, well played. Um, but yeah, and you got a, you, you got a young Gina Davis, you got a young Alec yes. Baldwin in this movie. Very happy with an ugly ass car. I specifically wrote that like an incredibly happy couple with the ugliest car I've ever seen. Which, They're simple folk. And interestingly yeah. enough, the that was a Volvo, which I guess the the whole point of the that them using the Volvo was that that year the Volvo that specific model was seen as like the the, the safest car in the world, and so that's the car they ah, used to crash. I did not know that. There is, and it's funny you bring that up as Jones. a nod. There are a lot of very intelligent nods in this movie that you would never pick up on unless you maybe sit back and do like a little bit of research, yeah. which we'll kind of talk about as we kind of go through. That was one of them I did not pick up on. How would you have? <clears throat> no. There's no way either any of us would have known because we were too young to even understand that joke. No, I mean, in terms of my research on the movie, that wasn't even a nod that they mentioned. Mm. You know, there's some cool nods that happens when they're like in the waiting room 
and uh, you know in death yeah. basically. Limbo. Um, which yeah when they're in, yeah so we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of those things when they pop up but no that was one I didn't even come up with that's that's crazy that's wild this is a smarter movie than it needs to be yeah true that's what it, what happens when you get people who want to write something just based off of what they're created there's nothing there's no reference point yeah there's, there's no, no blueprint there's it's just none of let's it. just fucking have fun with this you know granted you know it it was a few writers and uh, there was some issues with the writing process but what came out was excellent nonetheless uh but yeah we have uh maitlands uh, they own a hardware store in town which is a town that i wouldn't mind living in because it seems so goddamn happy and, and just serene and relaxed except, to, except their neighbor super <clears throat> annoying well i mean they yeah it's all up in oh, their yeah, business yeah, yeah 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 that lady how disrespectful <laughs> is this woman what was her name uh not jan i can't uh, remember uh, no it was jan was it jan, jan, yeah, it was jan, jan butterfield okay. yeah butterfield yeah how disrespectful yo okay hey there's these people who want to buy a house. We don't really want to sell. You come here all the time. You want to, We don't want to sell the house. Yeah, but you don't have a family. It makes eye contact with, Jane, with poor Barbara, who then was like a little broken on the inside. How dare Jane say some shit? She's, she's like you get smacked in the mouth. Put some talcum powder on there and right across the cheeks. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then she goes to Adam. Try the same thing. Hey, we want to sell that. Mother, go. Like, go away. The the 80s was a wonderful time in movie making when they really used the first act to come up with intelligent ways of providing backstory to characters and establishing the movie. Unlike today, where, like, the first act is five minutes, there's an explosion, and then we immediately move into the second act. You know, that, that there is, of course, its entire place in the movie is to let you know that they've been trying to have kids and they've been not successful in it was doing so. such a so. strange moment. Like, <clears throat> yeah. But you don't have children. This house is far too big for you because you don't have a family. And there's a family from and, New York. And, and it was just, the, she locked eyes with her when she said yeah. it. As her daughter's behind yes. her. You know, but like, but it's, it's established that this is a very happy couple. A little too happy for my take. They're a little too excited to be home. Two weeks staycation, man. At home. Yeah. yeah. Which just doesn't sound that in the house. Yeah. Which is so weird. But good for them. They're yuppies. That's what, I mean, to be honest. Uh, and so they die. And... How did they die? Uh, they drowned. I had, a, I had a problem with that in the movie. Because they weren't wet the entire movie? What's that? Because they weren't wet the entire movie. No. Because they should have been, technically. <clears throat> they were wet when they first walked no, out. No, 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 no. If you go back and you really watch the movie, oh, in Limbo, right. everybody's in the state in which they were yeah. when they died. <clears throat> except right. for them. Because you, they can't be wet all damn every scene and every shot. That'd be uncomfortable. Yeah, Somebody's gonna get to pneumonia. Watch that. <laughs> but <laughs> but but really, you think about it, that's such a continuity break from the rest of the universe that the, the movie establishes. You know where my problem with the continuity was with that was not that it's not even close to it. Like I'm watching this and I saw the car go through and they you know it flips over. They so they're driving back to their house, which they go across a covered bridge and they establish just a few seconds ago when they're going to the hardware store. That there is a dog in the neighborhood who's just running around off leash. Can keep your dogs on leash, people. Um, <clears throat> and then as they're going into the bridge, the dog happens to be like in the covered bridge. So they swerve because there's a bumper sticker on the back of the car that says like "We break for we dogs." Break for dogs. I love <laughs> and it. <laughs> they go through the side of the bridge and they're they're teetering on going over, and um, the dog is sitting on a piece of wood basically balancing the car from going down dog jumps off car goes through into the river and my first thing to steph was where they live that river would not be that deep that was the first thing that i said not that they were they should have been wet the entire movie 
Which, now that I think about it, fuck. Yeah, they should have been. Shatters my whole, like, world on that. <laughs> but I was more pissed off that, like, there's no way the river was going to be that deep where they live for that thing to happen. Because I've been to a lot of places like that in New England, and that it's, it's not like Pittsburgh. Even Pittsburgh's rivers aren't that deep. It's all artificial because they right. dammed it up. And in the movie, to make it look deep enough when they did that thing, they did dam up the creek. So it built the water back up so it would make you think that they drowned in that. Fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> immersion broken just, yeah just just, just ruined it forward and completely suspending my disbelief unwatchable point, guys unwatchable yeah. so they go back home they don't realize they're dead uh the and then going and then they realize they're dead they're very dead yes uh i although the scene in which they come to the conclusion that they're dead when they have no reflection which yeah. is kind of funny what really annoyed me i thought was creative but again watching now as an adult it's like who the f- who the fuck has toy horses on their fireplace mantle? And not like just one, but like seven of them. Yeah, if you don't have kids, it's, it's weird, weird thing as shit. They are weird people. They are really fucking weird people. They deserve to die. In deep water. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, so they're dead. And, and Okay, so there's a thing. Okay, so watching this movie back as an adult, I watched it twice. I watched it once just to kind of take it in and watch the second time to take my notes. Uh, and... I don't know if I just because Beetlejuice talks so fucking fast. He There's does. just things that I I just never caught or didn't care to catch, and it took me all these decades to catch him mention Saturn, and the sandworms. Like I always caught the sandworms part, but I never caught the Saturn part. That's fucking Saturn, <clears throat> and I'm like, wait, 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 that's Saturn? That's what. So yeah, it always looked like it was like to me. That whole thing was always like an ethereal plane right. type mm-hmm. thing. But he refers to it as Saturn. Yeah, and I never caught that. Yeah. But then you look back, there's rings, and you see other moons and stuff so, around there. a little digging, come to find... Because like, I'm like, there's no way I didn't know this all this time, that that was a fucking planet. Like, it's like our celestial body here in our solar system. So I did a little digging. Originally, it was Titan. Yep. And I'm like, but why? What 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 purpose did any of this... It was just, just to be creative. But yeah, it's fucking Saturn. It's weird. And there's there's sandworms on Saturn, apparently, in this world. I mean, Titan, they said of any of the uh, things in our our solar system that would probably be capable of housing life, Titan is it. Well, that ain't that Titan that we have, because the Titan we have is more water than fucking desert. But, yes, to your point. And the, death. Apparently. Not life. Death. A lot of death. Um, death. So, yeah, I mean, this movie goes... So, this movie, and I don't necessarily want to go, like, point by point, but... The movie kind of progresses on. You come to find out that the Deetses move in. You know, you got another family of, of yuppies from New York City. Uh, very, by. very different uh, people for the na- people in the neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, they're very artsy. Uh, we have a very young goth Winona Ryder as Lydia. About 17 Pre- years pre-emo. old. Yep, pre-emo. 17 years old, right out of Lucas. If anybody remembers that movie. No. Man. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, football movie made in like 1986. That's probably why I never saw it. Like half the Goonies. I think Charlie Sheen's in it. That's another reason why I probably never saw it. It's like a football movie. Throw like little kids like on the football team. It's like an anti. It's like a little bit like a Rudy kind of a thing. Never saw that either. It's a hell of an 80s movie, man. You should check that one out sometime. Throw it to Lucas. Throw the ball to Lucas. I wrote a short script about called Lucas. It was not about football players. I have an email. Um, I have a a a whole box in my email dedicated to Lucas. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah. Still have the script. Me too. Somewhere. So Winona Ryder is Lydia, the daughter. 
parents are Catherine O'Hara, uh, who did not lose a kid in this movie. That we know of. <laughs> she, she was from New York. And who As knows Delia, uh, who's an artist. Uh, and her Loosely. husband, Charles, who is a real estate developer. Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, Jeffrey Jones. And like one of the only movies I've ever seen Jeffrey Jones in, that where Jeffrey Jones in, where he's like not a dick. Yeah, he's not a villain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he seems like an okay dad. For, for, for those of you who maybe don't recognize the name Jeffrey Jones, you absolutely know who he is. Uh, famously, uh, the villain in Howard the Duck. Uh, but even more famously, the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's right. Yep. That's right. And then we have Otho, the designer. Oh, that motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck Otho, man. He uh, he plays his part well. Yes. He's annoying from the moment he stumbles through the fucking window. I feel like every movie that guy is in is the same character. Because he has like one note. Yeah, he's very monotone. Yeah. yeah you're right. You're right. He does it very well. Um. So yeah, the movie... Otho ca- also appeared in Beetlejuice the Animated Series. Oh my god. We're gonna get to that cartoon. <laughs> that, is a, that is a conversation to be had about that show. Um, so, the movie progresses. We find out that they've been dead for a, quite a while. A few um, months. Yeah, it's... Well, two or three months at that point. And they, you know, they go to Limbo. Now, Limbo, Dave, you want to have a talk about Limbo. Limbo, man. Limbo is the thing that stuck with me most of my life from this movie. Even more than than Michael Keaton's performance as Beetlejuice. Uh, because when you get into Limbo, man, <clears throat> first off, in order to get the Limbo, uh, you have to go ahead and read the book uh, for the recently deceased. Which reads like stereo instructions, apparently. It does read like stereo instructions. That's what, my, that's what they say. Yeah. Uh, and you got to draw a door on uh, in chalk on a wall and then knock on it three times and then the door opens. And then they're able to go into limbo because really they're a caseworker. Three times. Three times. It's so. literally like the DMV for dead people. Yes. Is basically what it is. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Filled with uh, civil servants, people who committed suicide. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and a bunch of people who hate their jobs. Like Juno, their caseworker. Yeah. Juno's she's so good. And... um. But, man, you really start to get the visuals of this movie. First off, the town they're in in Connecticut looks very strange to begin with, right? And um, I know that they kind of scoured all sorts of different locations. I think there was a town in Vermont they actually used for the for the filming. And um, they were, um, again, a very strange-looking town as it is. And then you kind of get into Limbo where it just really, the aesthetic changes, and you've got a whole bunch, and this is probably one of the more famous scenes in the movie is when they're sitting in there. You've got the one person who's got the shark eating his leg. Uh, you've got the woman who's been sawed in half. Um, you've got the uh, hunter, the uh, the African big game hunter who's got the shrunken head. Right. Right? Um, <clears throat> and then you got to wait. Oh, and, and I'm sure you guys, I never noticed it until... The second watch through, even though I've seen this movie countless times, there is like a reasonable facsimile of National Geographic on his fucking lap. And I got such a, I never noticed that before. And I got such a, just a small, listen, the set designers had to have a, such a good yeah. time with this experience, you know, coming up with all the little, little nuances, little details. Um, but yeah, they, they go through and they're in, they're waiting in line. 
uh, and they meet uh, Juno. They, they basically the the, the Maitlands are oh, they're schmucks. You know, they didn't read the, the book. They didn't read it thoroughly enough. Apparently, I love when they go, well, we didn't have, we don't have the book. And everybody goes, oh, like these fucking guys. <laughs> I thought they were going to send it back. <laughs> right? like, I really thought like, you, 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 we, we can't have this conversation. Like, wait, there's a book? book? Like everybody else, shrunken head man's like, motherfucker, I read the book. <laughs> like, <laughs> why can't you read the book? Apparently these guys just can't handle this information. Yeah. So when they're in the office here, Adam and Barbara... <clears throat> you can hear a voice over the PA system announcing Flight 409 is arriving at Gate 3. So this is where this movie starts to get like hyper-intelligent, because if you go ahead and check this out, which you know I kind of did some back uh, searching on this, uh, United Airlines Flight 409 crashed into a mountain in Wyoming on October 6, 1955, killing all passengers and crew aboard. So they were using, they're referencing real things. Oh, yes. Uh, real tragedies that happen. There's another one. The football team yep. Yep. is supposed to be the We Are Marshall football team when the when the plane crash come back from the football game and um, most of the team, the coaching staff, a bunch of boosters all died from the, from the plane crash. Um, but they didn't make them green, which was the color of the football team. They had them red, which is kind of get a little bit away from it. But right. You know they're referencing a lot of real things um, when they're in that when they're in limbo. That's kind of going on around it, which I thought was was wild. It's incredibly creative, um, and again, like they the fact that they, they <clears throat> mentioned later in the film that like the joke, like oh, you know, they say if you're a civil servant, uh, you know, or when you if you commit suicide, you'll you'll be a civil servant, uh, you know, after death or something like that. And then every single person that's actually behind a desk is <laughs> somebody who committed suicide. Yeah. A yeah, man who was flat, the... he threw himself in front of traffic, got himself run over. Yep. Gino slit her throat. Like, the dude, like, is hanging by a noose kind of, like, around the office. Like, it's like, it's so, it's it's smart. Yeah. It's good. The one just, they all have their wrists slit, you know, behind the, the counter. Miss Argentina. Yes. From, like, 1939, I think. And that's an interesting thing because, I mean, they don't really establish when this movie takes place. Like, what the actual time frame is for it. Like, you don't know, you assume that it's happening in the 80s, yeah, but yeah. there's a lot of references to the 50s and the 60s and, and other the 30s and other different points of time. And they really play, when you're in limbo, they really play on their concept of time. Uh, and they, they use that a lot through the movie because when they're in limbo, when they come back out of limbo, it's been like two or three months. When they're in the, uh, like when he first tries to leave the house because he's going stir crazy after they find out that they're dead, mm-hmm. uh, he ends up on the astral plane of Titan. Saturn. Um, <clears throat> well, Saturn. Is it Titan or Saturn? Saturn. It was originally Titan in the script, but it's actually Saturn. Okay. When they're in Saturn, um, she pulls him back. She's like, you've been gone for three hours. But for us watching it, it was only, what, 45 seconds? Right. So they really kind of play around with your concept of time in death, which is, I think, kind of interesting. I agree. But let's get to the meat and potatoes of this. Why we're all here. Michael Keaton. Beetle Goose. Beetlejuice, Beetlegeist, Beetlegeist, Beetle, Beetlegeist, Beetle, Beetle Drink, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Beetle Breakfast. So, be- so Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice for like fifteen minutes in this whole fucking film. <laughs> yes, really fourteen. You minutes. really wish there was more. Fourteen and a half minutes. Yeah. They, uh, how they... the fuck is that even a thing? Like he is the t- the titular character is in the film for less than fifteen minutes. You know, in the Dark Knight Rises, one of my biggest complaints of that movie is Batman is not Batman it wasn't in that movie. Good. <clears throat> it was fine. It, man, it was not. I mean, what do you do when you come after a fucking Heath Ledger's Joker? You don't do another one. 
<laughs> There's too much money involved. <laughs> um, but the uh, Christian Bale is Batman in the movie for maybe eleven minutes, right? And that was always one of the things I was always like really mad about that movie. It's like there's no Batman and Batman. No Batman and Batman. Mm -hmm. There's no Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice. Very little. It takes an hour and eight minutes into the film for him to appear on in the movie Beetlejuice. Really? Despite Mm. the only interruption to that is the TV ad. I was gonna say I thought he showed up a little earlier. A little earlier, but it's an hour. It's he doesn't fully appear in the movie for for an hour and eight minutes. The balls of the 80s. <laughs> I tell you, they, they to just go ahead it. and just do that kind of stuff. The they 80s got away is with it. Like, we'll, get around, we'll get around to having Beetlejuice in the Beetlejuice movie. It's like the movie Predator. The Predator doesn't show up in that movie for like an hour and a half. The first 45 minutes of the Predator movie is a military movie. That's what the 80s did to you. So, because if you think about it, I mean, the reason they did it, and, and this is just. As a, as a consumer, uh, as an audience member, I would imagine they did this because while although the movie's called Beetlejuice, obviously like he's the but he's not the main character at all. Uh, he may be a named actor in it, and the movie he is a catalyst for things that happened in the film. But it's about Adam and Barbara, yep. and it's about the Dietzes. So like you can get away with this because narratively it makes sense. Because too much of him would have been too much, I think. Oh, for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Now, could you imagine watching a Transformers movie with Michael Bay as the at the helm and not having a Transformer in the movie for an hour and eight minutes into it? It's just Shia LaBeouf being an awkward teenager for an hour. Well, listen. We, oh, God damn it. We, we've, we've had this conversation. Is that an ultra DVD? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's on your HD that, DVD. It's an, it's an HD DVD. <laughs> yeah. We've had this conversation. Uh, and I and I still maintain to this day that the Transformer film could have been so much more if it was just a little scarier, a little more serious, and you did not see the Transformers for a while, and you build up that first reveal. So yeah, I mean, Mike Bay wouldn't have done that shit. Uh, maybe Dick Donner would have. I don't know. Um, he gave me such a look when he said that. Oh my god, he shot me a look. Cut deep. <laughs> but uh, I, I, but I think I think the Beetlejuice is just the right amount of Beetlejuice in in this movie. Hello, hi. So, um, a a couple of interesting points about the title of the film, Jones, if if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, the original, the studio originally wanted to call this movie House Ghosts. It's a good scared change. sheetless. That was Tim Burton's suggestion. Yeah. Because he's like, this is house ghosts. Fuck you, Warner Brothers. And um, so, like, jokingly, he just goes, well, fucking house ghosts. Why don't we just go ahead and call it Scared Sheetless? And the studio execs are like, that's a that's great idea. Fucking gold. I mean, honestly, it's pretty funny. It is pretty good. Scared, she- scared Sheetless. He was, <laughs> and he, he, Tim Burton is quoted as being horrified when the studio actually considered using it. I mean, I, I would have gone yeah. with it. But the title Beetlejuice, how do we spell Beetlejuice, Jones? You mean the In, actual... The like, actual title of the movie. Beetle and Juice. And how do we spell Beetlejuice in the movie? Uh, not like that at all. Fucked with me, man. <laughs> because it's spelled like the star. I know. It, yeah. Never picked that up. No? No. And and considering I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big astro person, 
Um, that is a hell of a fucking <clears throat> statement, Dave. I'm a big Astro person. You're a person. big Astro person because I could take that, like, so you like the, you like the, the team, right? Ast- Houston Astros. Oh. Yeah, that's what I would go with. That's Knowing my friends the way I do, that is not the direction I thought you were going in. Oh, that's surprising. You surprise. dropping a baseball team on me, Jones, means you spend far too much time around Ryan Whitfield. It's true, actually. No, I've, I've, I've been, um, I've, I've studied astronomy through most of my life uh, since middle school and you know not something i always actively like talk about because like when you tell people it's like you know i'm kind of like a little bit of an amateur astronomer in a way study the stars and shit like that people look at you like the fuck um but if we ever get lost at night at sea i'm your fucking guy keep that in mind right because i can tell you where beetlejuice is in the night sky and all that other kind of shit but like i never put two and two together Never put it together. Because probably I've never spelled Beetlejuice, like the star. I just spelled Beetlejuice as in the fucking movie title. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I digress. Grinding to a halt. <laughs> I digress. I digress. Big Astro guy. Um, yeah. Astro guy. <laughs> I'm an Astro guy. That's just that's a weird statement. I'm an Astro guy. Well, because like, what, my do hat. You, what do you sit there and say like, oh, well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an amateur amateur astronomer and blah, blah, blah. Like, fucking. I, take, I, I, like would, I, I would buy that more than you tell me you're an Astro guy. Because Astro guy sounds like you're going to burst into, like, stardust. Yeah. I might. Yeah, nobody <laughs> calls him that. The way that this fucking podcast oh is my going God. today, I might burst into stardust. <laughs> <laughs> we're, all, we're all stardust anyhow. That's my fucking way to get out of it. There <laughs> 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 um, That's what happened during the Royal Rumble episode. That's where I oh my God. disappeared. Yeah. So, for those of you who've not gone back in some of our wrestling episodes... Um, <clears throat> And shame on you because they're fucking gold, by the way. They're they long really as are. shit, but they're hilarious. Even if you don't like wrestling, I, I, I challenge you to listen and you'll be you'll be at least interested yeah, the, in what the we're show, talking the about. The show is far more entertaining than the actual show that we're Typically. reviewing. Yes. So we did a, a Royal Rumble episode uh, and we do a Royal Rumble drinking game. And we were doing this remotely because uh, inclement weather just was a little bit more uh, efficient for us. So, you know, the Royal Rumble, we take a drink every time someone's eliminated, blah, 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 which is a lot of drinks. Go back to the episode, get the rules. Yeah. It was a lot of drinks. So, <laughs> I think you had somewhere to go. Was it a wedding? Um, No, it wasn't a wedding. It was a birthday. It was something it was like that. Something, it was something with, with, the, with the in-laws. Yes. Yeah, it was a family <clears> thing. <throat> it was a family thing. And... We're, we're all listen we're getting hammered I, I, real talk and thank god i was at home recording this there was no way i was gonna go to anybody's house record and drive home and i'm getting hammered out of my ass here and then at one point mac just fucking vanishes off the call just gone doesn't say bye doesn't say hey guys I'm, i gotta bounce he just fucking leaves us <laughs> <laughs> he was officially eliminated from yeah, the Royal he got Rumble. thrown over yes. the fucking top. Yes. He did not yeah. skin the cat. No. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, uh, back to the movie. Um, so the movie, uh, so Beetlejuice, okay, okay. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, I don't think I mentioned this to you, Jeff. I mentioned this off uh, uh, before we start recording to, to, to Mac here. I had a moment of clarity, and I really hope that the people who are listening to this, I'm hoping many of you are from Pittsburgh. I'm sure a lot of you are from Pittsburgh. And you'll appreciate what I'm going to say. And if you don't, and you've never seen this film, listen to what I say very closely, and then go and watch the fucking film. Okay, now, I've watched this movie countless fucking times. I know, it's weird having not watched it for so long, watching it again, I know almost all the fucking dialogue by heart. Except for the stuff that I just didn't pick up on, which I'll get to that later. So, I'm watching this movie the first time, in a while, in years, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm like, 
Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton, like, something about this character he's portraying seems weird to me now. Like, it's it's oddly familiar to me, and I couldn't put my finger on it, but it stayed with me, so I watched it the first time, and then I went back two, two days later and watched it again with, to take my notes, and then it hit me. Like, Michael Keaton's from Pittsburgh. Yep. Famously. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. <clears throat> Beetlejuice, the version he portrayed, this character that he portrayed, the reason why it was so fucking familiar to me is because Beetlejuice is every fucking shitty-ass Yinzer you've ever met. Yep. <laughs> Angry, drunk Yinzers. And I, yeah. oh. it fucked with my head. I'm like, I've met this guy. <laughs> In real he, life. He is like, <laughs> Beetlejuice <laughs> is like the purest form of an unfiltered hammered out of his mind yinzer on saint patrick's day fucking weekend who you bump into at the fucking at malone's shout out to malone's and he starts rattling off shit to you but you don't even know this guy but he's just telling you things about his life you could give shit less about and i'm like and i'm thinking to myself but why is it then i went oh wait because michael keaton's a fucking yinzer or at least, if nothing else, he's been around them a good portion of his growing, his yep. formative years to know what an annoying motherfucker sounds like. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> and everybody knows it's true. I'm like, I, I, look, oh, everybody's perfectly. thinking it. I'm the one who's going to fucking say it. The answers are annoying. Never once put that together. It, it blew my fucking mind. Now, think <clears> about <throat> it now. The way he talks, his body language, oh, all God. of it. How, he, how he's enunciating yeah. his Go words. down to Southside on a Saturday night at 1.30 in the morning, and you'll see you'll see Beetlejuice. I was just down there. <laughs> so I'm glad you caught that, too, because I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, he's fucking, he's a, Beetlejuice is a fucking drunk-ass, unfiltered yinzer. Yep. I know people who talk like him, personally, and it's fucking weird. Good for you, Michael. Like, we appreciate you for that shit. Doing his hometown proud. I mean, listen, man. And you know what? And there are millions of people who would not realize that. But there's a select few of unfortunate souls who live in fucking Pittsburgh who will understand that. I always enjoy when Pittsburgh forces itself into the lexicon of pop culture. I don't. And most people don't really like pick up on it, but like the, the true Pittsburghers yeah. do. That makes you a true Pittsburgher, Jones. Motherfucker, I never said I wasn't, <clears> but <throat> I, I, I don't have to like it. It's true. I don't have to like it. Calls it how he sees it. Yeah, but yeah, that was a revelation I had, and I thought that was really that might be why he was only in the movie for fourteen minutes. That was only so much. That's all they could handle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know what makes sense about that too, Jones, is that ninety Michael Keaton has said that ninety percent of the lines that he had in the movie were ad libbed. Ad libbed. Yep. Which so that totally makes sense now that we're we're connecting those dots there. Mm -hmm. How old do you think Beetlejuice is? Now he's he insinuates he's six hundred years old at one point in the film. I don't know if I buy that. He doesn't look a day over yeah. four hundred. Oh yeah, you know. He did say he lived through the Black Plague. I, mean, I feel like that's what killed him. Yeah, he was he was here for Pittsburgh's first St. Patrick's Day parade. It? Yeah, <laughs> Um, but Michael Keaton did say that he based his character off of a character. Uh, I can't remember the name of the character, but it was from uh, a character from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I'm I'm calling bullshit. He did not. He based it off of his uncle or something. <laughs> he his, didn't base off his some one fucking... drunk Yinzer uncle. Yeah. Uh, one one too many uh, family reunions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Adam and Barbara uh, enlist Beetlejuice to help scare away the Dietzes so they can have their home back to themselves. Uh, Juno told them they were, you know, cursed to be in their house for a thousand years or whatever. Uh, One hundred twenty nine years. I thought it was 125. 125? I thought it was 120. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Lydia, because she's a goth kid, 
can see ghosts. <laughs> That's how uh, it works. So they become friends. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, they were unable to have children. So they start treating her as their own child. It's fucking weird. Which is also weird. Weird relationship there. Uh, so at one point, she wants to die so that she can be uh, with them forever in that house. That was the original ending of the movie. Did you know that? Burned alive. Yeah. 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 And they're like, you know what? I'm not sending the right message to Disney. <laughs> yeah, right. There are some kids who are going to watch this who are going to be traumatized. Maybe we should not do that. So they enlist Beetlejuice, uh, who, as we mentioned, is a degenerate uh spirit that's a way to put it yes. warned not to say his name by their caseworker it's yes who he wrong. used to work for her yep don't uh, get don't get involved yeah don't even say his name he is a what is he it's a bio exorcist bio exorcist yeah. yep self self-proclaimed bio whatever the fuck that even means <clears throat> a reverse exorcism like my god um yeah the, every scene that he's in he steals Every scene he's in for the fourteen minutes that he's in the in the film, they're they're, they're money. Completely unhinged. Yes, is I think the best way to describe the performance. He's been dead so long, has gotten into so much shit. He's actually just insane, uh, and he pushes. You know, he he pushes the story along. He's the catalyst for things to change. Right. So, the Dietzes that realize that they don't really want his help because he's clearly a fucking insane masochist. Uh, which I love. He was, he's like trying to convince him to go back to his coffin to have dinner. He goes, I hope you like Italian. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? You were just eating a fucking fly. Like, what are you talking about? Which was a nod to the fly. Yeah, of course it was. We all know the help me. That is a, a classy <laughs> film. Gina Davis was also in The yep, Fly. Yeah, she was. With Jeff Goldblum from Pittsburgh. Can't get away from this fucking Full circle. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's an awkward circle. Um... <clears throat> But yes, so time passes. I want to talk about the one of my favorite scenes of the whole film. I feel like it's probably almost everybody's favorite scene. It's the musical possession, uh, where uh, was is that, is that Harry Belafonte? Is that who that is? Um, the Deo. Hmm. That's a good question. The banana boat song. Yeah, banana party, I banana party. That. But that I think is, it's Harry Belafonte. It is one of the things that is most iconic in yes. this movie for sure. Like again. You're sitting there in the theater. If you've never... Imagine, could you imagine? It's 1988. <clears throat> uh, you're going on a date. Or you're going to... And, and this girl says, I want to go see this movie called Beetlejuice. And you're like, I don't know anything about this. And she's like, no, I saw the, I saw a trailer on TV. Or I saw a trailer uh, uh, last month when I was at the theaters for something else. It looks pretty good. And she tries to explain to you the fucking plot. And she doesn't. And you're just like, oh, I'll just, whatever. And you watch this film. You are not ready for the weird-ass shit you're about to see. <laughs> like, I can't, like, we have the luxury of having the instantaneous, like, YouTube trailers and things like that and advertisements everywhere. I can't imagine a world now where I don't know too much about a film before I see it. Right. But Beetle, can you imagine going to Beetlejuice and just seeing that scene, the musical possession? You're like, what the? What is happening in this film? But it was so fun. It was so out of yeah. fucking left field. And it was so good. It's still to this day one of the best scenes in the whole film. And it's great because it doesn't work. You know, the the, the whole possession scene was... Oh, to... yeah, because it doesn't work. Yeah, it's <clears throat> unsuccessful. Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing that we got to keep in mind here with, with the movie, everybody, is that, you know, Gina Davis and, and Alec Baldwin, um, they have to... They want to get this new yuppie family out of their house. And the film does a great job of framing um, Delia and um charles right charles yep. chuck yep yeah um and especially um otho 
<clears throat> as being the possessed the, the possession of the house. Like they're clearly put into the position of being the bad guys in this movie. Right? They want to change the house, they want to change everything. Catherine O'Hara's character, Delia, she plays her very well as being kind of a stuck up yuppie bitch. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think she would be fine with that description. That's kind of the point. So you sympathize with with the ghosts. You know, the ghosts are not the bad people in this house. It's the people that are living there now. Right. So we start with the ghost with the sheet thing and doesn't scare anybody. So now the second level is we're going to possess them. And by possessing them and doing this whole thing at the dinner, it's going to scare them so much they're going to leave the house. Doesn't. No, they fucking loved it. They loved it. Listen, if I if that were me, my my ass would have been out the door. <laughs> there is no version of my existence where I will be puppeted by spirits. If I'm four feet off the ground doing calypso music, I can live with that. I can't. No. Yeah. It's like the scene, yo, that scene earlier where fuck and it's stuck, it's just stuck with me because like I'd have been I'd have noped the fuck out of the house when this happened. <laughs> when uh, uh Lydia's like trying to get into the fucking attic and she can't open the door. She puts the fucking skeleton key in, and the fucking thing shoots out the fucking keyhole. You shitting me? That would, be it. That would have been it for you. You're done. You're telling me, oh, you grown ass men to be like, I'm gonna investigate this more. Fuck that shit. <laughs> I Am really I... want to get in there now. I grab my bag, honey. I'll see you later. You can stay here if you want. There are keys shooting out of keyholes. <laughs> and then there's a green light underneath the fucking doorway. Nah, son, I'm out. I'm I'm checking out, noping out, whatever yeah, you want to call not it. Not having it. Not having it. But yeah, that that whole musical number was it was fantastic, and they enjoyed it far more than they were supposed to. Uh, so obviously that fails mm-hmm. ultimately. But from the audience perspective, you're like, yeah, I I could fuck with that. And then the monster fucking shrimp pants. No, that's too much. <laughs> far far too much for me. Uh, so yeah, and now they the, now they have now made them fans of the ghost, which they believed yeah. did not exist initially. Uh, and here's the thing about the rest, like, portions of this film. Every scene has a point, but, like, parts of it don't really matter, right? Like, the snake scene had to happen, and it was, it was needed. It was definitely needed. Uh, but, like, like, the the whole Delia, uh, agent interactions were completely fucking pointless. They didn't serve a purpose at all. it was just filler. It was very much filler, but yeah, Beetlejuice pops in as a giant snake, tries to kill Chuck. I feel like he, he was so close to murdering him. He dropped him from a, a solid story up, and somehow didn't On his kill head. him. Yeah, yeah, and he all he had was like, which is weird because he dropped him back first, but then he had the bandage on the front of his head. But I'm not questioning. I'm not questioning anything with this movie because, the, well, as we already established, uh, uh, your your immersion was already broken earlier. Right. Um, Fucking as attempted murder. Flooding. Please, yeah. so Beetle just attempted to murder Chuck yep. uh, he already insinuated that he wants to do terrible things to that 17 year old girl because he's an awful awful creature uh, and of course Delia gets off running and hiding in a, in a, in a room in a closet or something um, I think we're gonna we're gonna kind of push it forward we get to a point where the the, the Maitlands they really want to get the, they, they decide to do the crazy uh, evil I don't know if you wanted the the, 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 the the mutated chicken monster faces, or whatever you want to call those, uh, to get the Dietzes out. Um, yep. And in the meantime, we get one of the best charade scenes I've ever seen in any movie, uh, with Lydia trying to, or Beetle just trying to convince Lydia to say his name three times. Um, 
and that for some reason, Beetle Drink, since I was a little kid, has always stayed with me. <laughs> beetle, beetle Drink, Beetle, Beetle Breakfast. Um, I got nothing. <laughs> Wait for one of you guys. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, Otho gets his hands on That's the book, right. Uh, and says, hey, we really like these ghosts. I mean, look what they did at dinner. So let's hold a seance. So in order to do so, they need to find the possessions, which they had their uh, wedding attire. So they put it out on the table. They start doing that. Before you even get to that, real quick, they try to get the ghosts to go in on the business with them. They're like, we can market this place to have people come up here, get possessed. Like, we make a ton of money off of this. So they go up into the attic because they want to have a conversation with him. Be like, hey, ghosts, like, let's go on. Let's go in, go in on this together. You know, I don't know what the ghosts are going to get out of it, but, you know. Nothing, actually. What perfect business, New York business logic, you know. Let's go and enter into a partnership with the undead. And uh, what are you going to get out of it? Ah, we'll figure that out later. But, you know, we'll get money. So that's, that's going to yeah. get something. Yeah, it's good um, for us. Right. So they don't, so, but they don't go for it. And that's when Otho finds the book. This motherfucking book that they just, they just leave it around. Like it's The book not a, that they did not read. No. Yeah. No, that they, they, they don't read, but like everybody else finds it. First off, why is this book, why can the living get this book? They, they, they didn't get this book until they were dead. Right. So why are all the living people in the house able to find and like see and read this book? Because everybody fucking reads this book. That's true. Delia reads the book, which is why I think she can see them. Like she can see them after she reads the book. I don't know if that is Lydia. Lydia. Sorry. Yeah. No, I said Delia. Yeah. Sorry. Lydia. Uh, And then Otho finds the book and now he's going to read it. And apparently he has some backstory history where he was involved with like seances and bullshit. I love how he's so full of shit. Such a fucking interior. He is the most loathsome person in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, by far. Everything he says is condescending. Or the condescending tone. Yeah. So, uh, but I just had to throw that out there, Jeff. Just to kind of set the stage here. Yeah, so Otho decides he's going to do a seance. uh, And resurrect uh, Adam and Barbara from the dead. uh, Which he successfully does. uh, But little does he know he's performing an exorcism instead of a seance sending them into uh, the room of lost souls and he's basically murdering ghosts uh so obviously the only thing you can do to resolve that situation is to bring back beetlejuice so lydia goes up stairs into the attic beetlejuice lives in the model <laughs> I love for some reason there. uh there's strip club in the model so there's that that the caseworker put there to distract beetlejuice <laughs> this is a good call it was a good call yeah, so he agrees uh, to save the day if she will marry him, which goes back to why you're going to marry a 17-year-old. It'll just a dirty, dirty creature. When you're 600 years old, is, does, you know, pedophilia count at that point? That's a, uh, <clears throat> yes. Yes. Absolutely. I, I, right, but like, it, like they, they're so casual about this. It's a hell of a question about this. Only, only enough the good are you going to get these these serious right. questions being asked here. And and might I add, uh, the actress was 17 years old, but uh, the, the oh. we're, I'm feeling confident that she was playing like a 15-year-old in yeah. this film. She's, yeah. Her Lydia's, early high school Lydia's, days. They, they, they kind yeah. of think 13 to 16 at that point. Yeah, so that's even worse. That yeah, well, Beetlejuice is a creepy, creepy, horrible. <laughs> but again, this creature. is the '80s, so everybody was just sort of fine with that. Yes, I oh, I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. So Beetlejuice comes up, 
Uh, what now? Here, here's my question. Because uh, I had this a flood of memories when I saw this scene when he, his head goes like the carousel and he yep. does the whole thing. Yeah. Did any of you guys have the movie action figures? Yes. I did not. I and had I had that, that one with the carousel hat. Because he had a removable head. Yeah. And I also had I had that one. I had Adam with the the mask face. Yep. And I also had Beetlejuice the 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 suit and tie with the the marriage. The weddings, the red wedding suit. The red wedding, yeah, the yeah. red wedding suit. He had the his oh head God, spun, the red and if you took the, you could remove that head. <laughs> different and, red wedding. And it was different a smaller wedding. head because his head got shrunk <clears throat> later in the film at the end. Yeah. And I'm like, I forgot I fucking had those. I was so dialed into the Beetlejuice universe apparently yeah. that I had the action figures for the movie. The Beetleverse. The Beetleverse. If I like you it. will. If you will. Oh, a little dusty. Um. So yeah, he comes up. He he causes mayhem. He basically murders. Uh, Chuck's uh, boss, like former boss, and his wife. Because there's no way they're surviving that shit. They're like their their spines are fucking compressed and smashed. They're dead. Oh yeah. He just literally just murdered them right in front. And everybody's like, "Hey, look at that. They're dead." But he did it in a fun, cheeky way. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Hey, there came my shoppers. Um, and he proceeds to try to wed this 15 year old, 14 year old girl. Uh, now some of the better scenes in the movie. I, I, again, there's certain scenes that just stick with you, like uh, uh. Adam, like, tries to say Beetlejuice. He removes his teeth, and he does a little thing with the teeth are chattering <laughs> on the floor. I don't know. It's silly and it's stupid, but it's little scenes like that just stay with you as you grow up. Um, Beetlejuice, and then he, like, sends him to the model. Uh, Barbara, he, he make, puts a zipper on her fucking face, which is hilarious, actually. She unzips her face, and then he puts, like, a metal plate on her face, and then he just sends her to fucking Saturn, because apparently that's what you do. He could have just done that to begin with. Um... But it, now, I, I, now the scene I want to see is how she tamed the fucking sandworm. I, now, I don't know. Apparently, they're tameable. Because I'm, ass- well, I'm assuming it respected <clears throat> Even her enough after she sucker punched it once, yeah. like a fucking shark. Yeah, it was just too much. <laughs> <laughs> it was just he remembered. It remembered when it saw her. Yeah. Like I will bend the knee. <laughs> so there's something about the, the that whole thing with the sand shark that I want to point out here. This movie came out in 1988, right? <clears throat> so. This is a mere five years before Jurassic Park comes out. Mm-hmm. Now, the stop motion claymation that they use for the sand shark was originally going to be what they were going to use for the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. That was the original idea for the the, the motion capture for the dinosaurs and everything. It was going to be the most sophisticated type, which is the same thing they did in like um, Jason the Argonauts and, and stuff like that, right? Um, five years. We went from the sand shark on a modest special effects budget, granted, which really, thank God it was a modest special effects budget because the campiness of the effects really makes it the sold movie. It, it yeah. makes it so it makes it so it's, much better. Yeah, it's part of the unique style of it. <clears throat> um, but just five years. Five years we go from, you know, computer generated, fully realized dinosaurs that could have been stop motion claymation animation that the sand shark was. So when you watch then, if you watch this movie going back, everybody, after listening to this podcast, keep that in mind that that's what the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park were going to be until somebody said, I got an idea. Good for them. I think it worked out for everybody. It helped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How does she tame the sand snake? Giggity. Thank you. I'd like to think she just punched it a couple more times and said, all right, fine. All right. I give. Come on board. Yeah. Because otherwise, I don't, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, she was, yeah. you know, mom strength or something. I don't yeah. fucking and know. she's just riding that bitch like she rode that motherfucker. a tray you and 
never-ending story. So here's the other question. Hold on. Well, I guess it kind of makes some sort of sense. There's a couple things. I'm going to go back. Just the nitpick. Because every time they go to Saturn, they there's the door. They go into Saturn. They're in the, the dunes. Shit happens and they go back up. I've seen this shot now this movie enough times to know there are no fucking steps up to that door but somehow they step up to the fucking door where the fucking steps i don't know just little things bug me ghost steps. Ghosts. they can do things ghost steps yeah oh okay i'll go with that i'll go with ghost steps um but i would love to have seen that scene i would like to have known how that happened but anyhow she cries the fucking sand snake <laughs> through which irreparable fucking damage to this house by the way <laughs> all right like through the fucking roof and down through the floor like it eats Beetlejuice. Everybody's saved. And then we come to find out that now Lydia's no longer a depressed young child. She's actually a well-adjusted mm-hmm. uh, uh, teenager. Yeah, she's no longer a goth kid. She's a well-reformed in her little private school uniform. It just, it just took real trauma. Yeah. That's all it was. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting once you get past that point to see like... <clears throat> it's almost kind of like a flash forward to see how they've all kind of settled in with each other. You know, like they've... It's a very cohesive family unit. Um, You know, Lydia, one of the themes that you get early on in the movie is that, you know, um, Delia is her stepmom. Right. Correct. You know, they don't really go into so much the the dynamic between the two of them. Um, In the Broadway show, they do, which is one of the things I think you guys get a chance to go see the Broadway show. You know, this movie, Jeff, where are we basically right now at recording time? Just just give or take. An hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. This movie was an hour and 30 minutes long. We've been talking about it almost as long as the movie runs. Mm. <clears throat> but the Broadway show is about two hours. So they do deviate from the source material, but they add a lot more depth to the overall story by kind of giving Lydia a little bit more of a backstory, their family dynamic more of a backstory, even give Beetlejuice a little bit more to do before we get into you know the actual story that kind of goes in here. Now, considering how little Beetlejuice is in the movie... How much is he in the play? Half. That's a yeah, lot. That's of significantly <laughs> more. It is substantially more, and he's fantastic. Um, and one of the things that's really interesting about the movie is that it's written in today's like vernacular. So so often when you go see a show, you're you're seeing shows that were written in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s that they've just been showing over and over and over again, right? Um, so this one, you know, they wrote only a few years ago. So I think 2018, 2019 is when it premiered. So you have a lot of Beetlejuice is very, um, you know, omnisexual, I think is a good way to kind of put it in the Broadway show, which they kind of hint at here a little bit. You know, he kisses, um, you know, Gina Davis more than than Alec Baldwin. But in the play, he's he's all hands on deck, quite literally, actually, <laughs> I think at that point. Um, <clears throat> but it was very interesting because they flushed out the dynamic more. And they also kind of do more with Lydia's character in the Broadway show too strengthen the relationship with her family which kind of leads more to her today being in the oh i'm a little bit more well balanced now after that experience kind of a thing um but anyway uh we, we flash forward everybody's kind of happier um <clears throat> delia is now kind of a bigger deal as a sculpturist you see in the background there's a magazine she's on a magazine cover uh because she's doing like like the afterlife sculptures yeah. now and apparently that's a big deal. You know, Charles is enjoying himself in his uh, in in his house. He's reading a, a magazine that is about, like, cohabitating with the undead. Yeah. 
which I think is so super smart. Where do you even get that magazine? So, That's a good question. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this because uh, there's little bits and pieces to this that like if you didn't really like what we do is sit and like really watch it and look for these details, you wouldn't have caught right because. Yeah. The big thing Juno was like, the living can't know about the dead. They can't get irrefutable proof. Right. And later on, uh, that like a scene or two later, uh, I think it's Barbara that said something like, we could, like, we could start a revolution. We could, we could change things. They did. That's what it was. Yeah. They changed the entire landscape of the living and the dead together. And yeah. that one little shot of him holding that magazine was a validation of them yeah. breaking yeah. the rules and saying, fuck it, we're going to do it our way. Which is that? That's where it, that's yeah. they got it the same way the the, the the Maitlands got it out of fucking pure magic and air, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, like Lydia has the the parental dynamic that she hasn't had since her mother passed away. Um, Adam and Barbara have the child that they never had. You know, they're helping with her homework and with projects. Yeah. And at what point, like, that. like if you're Charles, at what point are you like? You know, I almost died because I got dropped from the stairs three <laughs> floors up. Uh, Beetlejuice almost killed me. A sandworm came through my roof. Uh, I'm going to let these ghosts be the parents of my kid. So, <laughs> and it's just like, I'm, I'm, you know, and I wanted to say earlier, and I kind of, you know, we, the, the thing about podcasts is that, like, you have a thought in your head. And if you don't, if you don't keep that thought in your head long enough, that shit will just yeah, disappear. We get like, distracted yeah, shit, easily. Oh, yeah. so easily. But when I watched the movie, you know, I got the sense, and then the second time it really hammered down, and and I can't remember what point I wanted to like kind of insert this thought, but about Chuck and Charles, I, maybe it was you, Jeff. You said that he was he's like a good, good father. Uh, I'd argue, at least in the film, he is not. Uh, he's a broken man. Like if you look at him and his relationship with the two women in his life, he is a non fucking factor. He is like the, oh no, he's just in the he's background. There. Yeah. He's the caricature of that uh, sort of useless 80s father that media perpetuated for a very long time uh the al bundy you are just there to fucking be there and you don't really Four add touchdowns one game though jones fuck polk high you bite your fucking time i won't this time fuck polk high please i said it. i never been al there bundy, were you ever there uh, yes yeah what was it like it was fucking magical <laughs> he's a big polk high guy apparently so four touchdowns one game yeah yeah you scored four touchdowns in one game? Jeff, did you? No. No. Right. No. But, you're, show but, some, I, but show I don't some, sell shoes. Show some goddamn respect. I will not. All right? Show will, some respect where respect not, is I will due. not, sir. Local high school legend, Al Bundy. That is about as Pittsburgh as it gets. Anyhow. That's the truth. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's, there's a scene where they're sitting having dinner uh, and, and uh, having the Cantonese and, and Dela's being a dick about it. And so is Lydia being a dick about it. How the MSG is going to give her cancer or some shit. And I'm sitting there, and he's just sitting there, all shriveled up, like a total, like a pace, like a fucking puss the entire time. And these two ladies, and listen, dynamics are dynamics, but like he's being so controlled and being manipulated by them, you know, without them even saying anything. Their body language is controlling this broken man. The movie insinuates that he had some sort of maybe a mental breakdown. He just had enough of the the hustle and bustle of New York life, and he was just he was just a broken dude. Well, his man. wife died. Listen, I don't give a shit about the fucking stage play, all right? No, no, that, I mean, they're obviously the, well, I mean, yeah, you don't really go into the whole thing that the, no. you don't know how. There's the, no point. He's just a, it just doesn't a say. They never mentioned just the mom no, once in that it. film. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> the stage play is there, but this, I, I'm i only going off of what I've seen. Yeah. And the man is broken. I'm blurring the lines there, guys, my apologies. Yeah, and you can, but, but this, at least from my perspective, at least. Yeah. Um, he is a broken man. Uh, and 
even if his wife had passed away and she died, he already fucking remarried. So how broken up can he possibly be? He's getting his dick wet. Redheads, Anyhow. Redheads, man. Well, he's a redhead too, I guess. I don't know, but oddly enough, his daughter isn't. But uh, but it's not a, it's it's a recessive trait. So, <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, um, yeah, he's just a broken dude, and he's kind of sad a little bit, just like how how he's like just a passenger in this story, whereas Delia and Lydia are are they make movements? They yeah, make they changes. take charge of their. He's just literally entire there. Entire life. Uh, all he wants is the office. All he wants is some peace That's and fucking retreat. quiet. That's his retreat. Yeah. Uh, but that was my my Jeffrey Jones discussion. Uh, but the movie ends on a positive note, thankfully, with the really cool dance song and dance. Where Matt Another said song and totally dance cool number. Uh, I would not be cool with that. Uh, Football I, teams there. It's so That's right. They show up. Background dancers. It's so weird. That movie. <laughs> this whole movie's weird, but it's a good weird. Um, now, having discussed it, my question I will pose to both of you guys. We kind of in- insinuated this earlier, but there's like, as you watch it growing up, there's like bits and pieces that maybe you didn't catch. And as an adult, you're like, oh, oh shit, that's what he said? What is the one? There's got to be one, at least one, that you didn't catch for the longest time. And then it finally like sunk in what was big. Because I could already tell you mine. And I did not realize it until the first viewing of this, this, this last first chunk of uh, viewings. When they were, and I don't know, all of my, all my life, I thought she was saying something totally different, and now it makes total sense. Because as a kid, I had no idea what this even meant. So I just didn't put two and two together. When she said, you're not going to wake her up, she's sleeping with Prince Valium tonight. And I went, oh, she said Valium. Valium, Now, yes. I know what it is Drugs, now. yes. When I was a kid, I had no fucking clue what Valium was. <laughs> prince, and thankfully, I didn't know what it was. Prince Valium is the prince in Spaceballs. Well, there you, guys, you go. Yes, I picked that up. I did not pick that <clears> up. <throat> yeah, that's who she's. That's who she's trying to marry in Spaceballs. While he's always like yawning and falling asleep <laughs> when they're together. Good call. Um, 80, so, 80s I thought drug for the jokes. longest time she was saying when I was growing up because I didn't know what Valium was. I didn't hear Valium. I heard Valiant. Yeah, I knew you would think Prince Valiant. Valiant is because that was what and was I'm in the myself, Sunday comics every week. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> now it makes total sense. Um, for me, it was just very, it was one word. It was one word that was uttered in this movie that really threw me off. It was the word fuck. Because Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice says fuck. Yep. And I paused for a second because I'm like, wait a second. This movie isn't rated R, is it? And I went and look. Like, you get a fuck in a PG-13 movie. Yeah. This movie was not PG-13. This movie was pg they're dropping a fuck in a PG movie. One fuck. One. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we only just give one fuck. Yeah. He's in the model and he's mad because they won't let him out. So yeah. he knocks over the tree and he says, nice fucking model. Grabs his balls and squeezes them twice. <laughs> so also, fun fact, that was ad-libbed totally because that tree was not supposed to fall over. That's amazing. And it was not. He was supposed to just <laughs> kick it. and that, But when it fell over, he was he was talking to the set designer. But that was like... The whole that whole entire part there was total ad lib, which is one of the more yeah, it's awesome. uh, memorable moments in the film. Agreed. Yeah, and it's so cool the shots that they do in the model because everything feels like it's plastic and foam and like just the visuals of the entire movie, the aesthetic of it, because it's you get sort of this different look and feel when you're 
in limbo and in the underworld versus what you get in the model versus what you get in the house and what you get in the neighborhood. Um, and it's, it's just really cool to see the varying styles that they were able to execute in this movie and obviously what they did with the makeup and they won an Oscar. They won an Oscar. Uh, for Beetlejuice's makeup. So uh, all in all, you know, for me, this is one of those movies, like I said, I can pick it up and watch it anytime, no matter where it's at. I don't need to start it from the beginning, but it, it's cool to see how it's sort of survived over all the years. I mean, 35 years later, we're still talking about it. Uh, after 20 years, it sounds like development is finally moving forward in Beetlejuice 2. Yep. Now, uh, there is no need for a sequel. Yeah. As a, as of in today's day and age shows, there's always. As, and there's actually Based, new. Beetle, Beetlejuice 2, based off the original. <laughs> and there's actually new news. Uh, yeah, like just this, this week. week. Yes. Uh, Jenna Ortega, who you may or may not know from. Big deal right uh, now. Wednesday. Big deal right now. Scream 6 and a bunch of other things. Uh, she is in talks to join as Lydia's daughter in Beetlejuice 2. Not With Michael fan. Keaton, Winona Ryder, Tim Burton all on board. Yeah. Not a fan. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it. Don't ruin whether it for me. <laughs> Jones, whether you want it or not, you're getting it. I don't know if I'm getting it. I don't want yeah. I, I need to stay in developmental It's going to be another Smoking Aces 2. Well, you know, Beetlejuice... No, well, nobody from Smoking Aces was in Smoking Aces 2 just because they all fucking died. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Very interesting fact here, Jones, as as the, as this being one of those movies in your life, one of those tentpole movies for you. Um, 19, I'm going to fast forward you a couple about uh, 10 years later, 1998. A little company you may have heard of called Netflix uh, starts getting involved in the uh, movie renting business. The very first DVD that Netflix sent to a patron is Beetlejuice. Yeah. Blew my fucking they mind. They had good when taste. It's probably was probably you. Or your dad. I was I already owned it, so it's fine. <clears throat> yeah. Bootleg version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as far as a legacy goes with this film, I mean obviously the cartoon, which was a great cartoon. I think it's still intro's still fantastic. Uh I couldn't tell I've not watched an entire episode in a long time, obviously, but I have good memories of the cartoon and I enjoyed it very much. Video games that were based off the cartoon. Can we just talk though real briefly about how the cart first of all, it's the weird thing that like Hollywood does this, or the this the media world does this, TV does this, where they'll take something that's clearly not for children and make it for fucking children. Yep. They will water that shit down and make <laughs> they took look, the movie was 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 really inappropriate for children. I should not, most of us should not have watched it as children, realistically speaking. But we did, and it's too late. We are where we are now because of it. It was the 80s. Right. But they took these characters and removed the main fucking characters from the from the movie and just, and just made Beetlejuice the protagonist. Yeah, it was just Beetlejuice. He was the bad guy. He's yeah. a pervert. He's an awful creature of, of, of horrible intent. And now he's best friends with this fucking teenage girl. Are you shitting me? What? And they go to the to the neither world. I think yeah. it's neither world. Uh, there was a hold on. There was a skeleton Jacques. He was French. He had a tank top with a fucking hat, the French hat, the beanie, yeah, that's why There was the spider, the girl who went like the dance. Or yeah, something. the spider. There was um. That's the only ones I can, I know there were more, but those are the two I remember specifically. I can't remember the spider's name, but I remember her. 
But yeah, Jock would always fall apart all the time. You look, you fucking kids out there, you don't know how the good shit we had it <laughs> when we were kids, the good cartoons we watched. Yeah. But some kids today may have gotten a taste of the Beetlejuice cartoon because Teen Titans Go, which is a pretty big deal on Cartoon Network, yeah. for their Halloween episode, it was a Beetlejuice episode. No shit. So they had Beetlejuice from the animated series and they teamed up together. And it turned out he was just trying to hustle and manipulate them the whole time. I was going to say, was, I thought you were going to say he was just trying to score right, some kills. And, right, yeah. right on brand. And he got thrown right back into Saturn with the sandworms. Right, right, on, right on brand. <laughs> That's good. Good for him. And I was like, this is like the Beetlejuice from the Beetlejuice cartoon that was around when we were kids. I need to check that uh, out. Which was cool. Yeah, I missed that. That was a good show. And it, like, there was, it spawned, uh, I would say there's at least, a, at least a Sega game, and I know there's a Nintendo game. Uh, they were just good games. Speaking of Nintendo games. Speaking of Nintendo games, transition, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, next episode, nice we will be talking very, uh, uh, I don't know how deep, but we will be talking about some of our favorite Nintendo uh, entertainment system games from the 80s and early 90s, very early 90s. Uh, it may be entertaining. It may be awful. We're going to find out. Gentlemen, this has been an experience uh, to talk about one of my favorite movies of all time. It's always an experience. The only thing that I, I'm unfortunate that we miss is Noah uh, getting on a soapbox about Gina Davis. Which, so honestly, I'm kind of glad because I think Gina Davis is a fine actress. She's a nice lady. I mean, I don't know personally, but I'm I mean, sure she's all right. I mean, you realize that he's probably taking notes as he listens to the recording, so he can just basically have a whole episode where he just inserts his Yo, opinions dude. where he wanted <laughs> when to he, have his, them. His first episode back, we sh- it should just be Noah fires back. <laughs> no topic just Noah in general uh, yeah. just give us your notes yeah. over the last so, so got many some catching up to do uh, that would be great but no this has been fun we appreciate you guys listening uh, and joining us this week and every week uh, as we talk shit and talk shop about a lot of different things we're excited to talk about some old school gaming next week and uh, we hope you join us for that so thanks for listening nothing Gentlemen. What? Yeah. The fuck are we drinking today? Well, I didn't think we were going to because you're not drinking beer today. Well, we can yeah, still do ru- it. You ruined it for everyone. I didn't ruin it for anybody. <laughs> well, uh... You, uh act, you act like there haven't been episodes where Jones isn't just <laughs> pounding Gatorades and we like didn't like brush past that at all. How often does that That's, happen? It's happened enough. I don't remember that. I don't know how many go times I've done that. Go back to the arcade. Go back to the archives. The arcade. Go back to I'd the like arcade. to go back to the arcade. Go back to that too. Go back to the archives. <laughs> And, you know, there's several episodes where, you know, where some of us might be a little bit under the weather, which is my case today, mm-hmm. right? So, okay. uh, which is why the gentlemen were, we're going to kind of glaze over a little bit, but they're drinking beer, even though I'm drinking an apple juice. We yeah. are. Just getting, uh, my, getting my vitamin C in today. Yeah, so. Going back to the beginning about St. Patty's Day, it's St. Patty's Day week, so we're drinking Guinness. My goodness, my Guinness. Yes, that's also what I'm drinking. The breakfast of champions, right. as they say in Ireland. And Dave is so. drinking apple juice. I am drinking apple juice because it's not spiked. I no. am. I am getting over a cold, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, in this episode, you may have unfortunately heard me try to clear my throat a couple of times, trying to do it as as quietly or out of the the microphone range as I could. Um, but as I found out, um, mixing cold medication and alcohol not the greatest idea. No. So. Uh, considering it's, you know, the day we're recording this is on a Sunday and no. it's, and it's 11 AM. Um, I just thought, you know, I'll just drink some apple juice today. We, we, we avoid, uh, double it down on the downers. Yeah. We don't do so, that. We don't do that in this house. Someone's going to have to take me home if I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't want to do that. So that's fair. Yeah. Nothing good. <laughs>